and thank you for joining us for another episode of Connections Cafe, a show where top performers working in unique professions reveal the secrets to their success. Today on the show, we have Whitley Kimball Williams. She's worked on projects for companies like Amazon, WebMD, REI, just to name a few. So without further ado, here's Whit. All right, so let's let's just dive right in. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, let's see. Hi, my name's Whit. <laughs> um, I was born and raised in Iowa, middle of the country. I studied uh, journalism, advertising, and graphic design at Drake. Uh, took a gap year and then went back to Iowa State for my master's or my MFA. Um, I am a person who does not like to be still. I don't sit still well. Uh, I like to stay busy, so um, hence the, the, the triple major and then the dual degree later. <laughs> My uncle likes to call me alphabet soup. So um, <laughs> I, um, I earned one degree at Drake in the journalism school for advertising and magazines and then another in the School of Arts and Sciences for graphic design. And then my MFA at Iowa State was in graphic design and I earned a certificate in human computer action while I was there. Mm -hmm. um, it was actually awesome. Iowa State's a little different from most schools. It's a research one institution. So uh, while my degree is in MFA, um, my, my, final my final coursework was um, my thesis. So, it is 165 pages of the most oh, thoroughly wow. researched uh, thesis, is I believe what my, <laughs> my major professor said. Um, but my, my research there was um, on pediatric health therapies and children's health-focused serious games. Um, oh. To give you a little context, um, I'm type 1 diabetic, have been for 25 years. Um, healthcare is something that's really important to me, um, especially the care part. And so my thesis was kind of predicated on the concept that most, um, a lot of the therapies that are available to children that are diagnosed with chronic healthcare uh, challenges are really not meant for them, which is kind of the antithesis oh. of, of customer centricity, right? And it's yeah. it's a lot of the resources are um, for caregivers, and understandably so. It's um, I don't know if you've that experience with um, chronic health conditions or um, even I do. you know it's it's really hard, and, and and for kids like their needs are very different, and when it's something like. Um, glucose control or just completely flipping your world upside down I think it's really important to consider kind of their environment their needs the way they look at the world and kind of how to help them cope um, and so my, my research work started with this idea for a game um, which has been on hold for a while but I'm hoping to pick up soon uh, but what I ended up doing was developing a model for evaluating and creating um, children's health-focused serious games. And it balances principles of design, interaction, um, education, health behavior, and things like that. So I um, kind of took that model, went through, um, evaluated a couple different 
games and, and um, health experiences to kind of show how the model works. And so, um, you know, I have been affected by COVID. And, and so one of the things I'm wanting to do with my time off is to pick some of that back up, uh, maybe get some things published. And I'm also reaching out to healthcare professionals to see um, if there are ways that I can partner with folks to kind of do a little bit deeper dive into what, um, basically like what kids are having the hardest time with, um, any kind of behavioral themes or, or things that they might need additional support on to really start and kind of build out that model, but also to start building out that game. So that's kind of what I'm doing right now. Um, I went projects. to... It, it is. It totally is. And it's it's not a short one either, you know, and it's it's been on hold for, oh, geez, a little over six years now. Um, you know, after after grad school, I needed to find a job. Got to pay off those student loans like a lot of people, you know. Mm -hmm. um, was fortunate enough to go to Amazon and learn a little bit about business as well as um, just kind of the different ways operating uh, super exciting times I got to work on echo and echo show while that was in development before it was released um, really got kind of my first opportunity to, to drive um, customer centricity and, and push forward um, certain business objectives so that was fantastic um, went to WebMD health services down in Portland for about three years um, as a UX lead and I helped them build out their wellness challenges program, and I pitched the concept for their WebMD1 platform, which very much centers on those same principles of um, putting, putting the end user at the center. Um, I hesitate to say customer or patient, but, um, but that's the idea, you know, using behavioral science and interaction and, and just highly personalized experience. Um, as with a lot of, of healthcare companies, you know, it can be really challenging when you're trying to um, balance the needs and wants of a client against the needs and wants of the end customer. And so when you have kind of challenges helping a client understand what the people really need, um, it can be really challenging to, to make uh, the progress you want to make and the impact that you want to make with the end customer and, and that was kind of one of the challenges of, of working there like it was an awesome learning opportunity um, a lot of really great people and you know everyone was very passionate about healthcare and making an impact um, the way we did it it was challenging sometimes especially you know we were acquired we through a lot of changes, but um, the direction that we were moving in before I left, I definitely would say it was, was much more customer centric. And I think um, with with kind of direct consumer products like Noom and things like that becoming more widely available, we definitely had more opportunity to point at successful examples of what we were trying to do to say, hey, we know that this is important to you, but we know what we're doing. <laughs> Here's how we can make that happen and here's evidence of that in the marketplace. So uh, yes, I would say I would say it was growing that way. Um, you know, in much much of the healthcare space, I think that it can be really challenging um, to do the right thing in the right way and to do it quickly. Um, just because there's a lot of, of a lot of rules. Um, in some ways the healthcare space is not incentivized to be the, the latest and greatest. I think we're kind of 
finding flaws right now in the pandemic, which has been really interesting. But um, I think we're also, it's also an opportunity to really step back, take a look and say, hey, here's, here's kind of the biggest challenges. Here's how design can help. And that's actually um, something I've been doing uh, very recently. I joined this group, um, the Emergency Design Collective. And so it's a huge group of like 400 volunteers right now looking at different um, areas of, of kind of society that have been affected by COVID. So other group I'm working most closely with right now is looking at mental health, uh, specifically looking at um, how do we provide support for our frontline workers, um, especially in that mental health space. And that's been incredibly rewarding and it's, it's kind of nice to be able to do that um, in a space where we can do the right things, we have a little bit more freedom, and um, the, the opportunity for impact is just it's huge. And that's, those are the things that speak to my soul. So um, it's hard, we're hearing a lot of really heartbreaking stories, but it's also incredibly um, rewarding to be able to help in that way and to, to partner with other people kind of in that space to really to really try and make a difference and, and I'm kind of hoping that you know once this is all over uh, whenever that is that that's something we continue to do because I think you know long term um, I'd love to, to run a nonprofit honestly um, but that's that's a ways in the future for me uh, but this has been fantastic so far so it sounds like there's a mix of some artistry and taking in a lot of research to fuel that artistry, right? Or am I wrong in thinking that? Um, yeah, I would definitely say, at least uh, the way I practice, I am definitely biased towards research. Um, one of the encouraging things that I've seen over the past few years is just like there's growing support for um, research. I think that you absolutely need to be making well-informed decisions um, not only to do the best for your, your customers and your end users, but also to do the right things by the business. You know, we often see companies kind of jumping into things without really understanding the nature of a problem. And sometimes you get lucky and you succeed. And a lot of other times like you find that, oh, the real problem's here. And I think that research is absolutely critical to making sure you're using your resources efficiently and also meeting real needs for real people because that's where you see that impact happen um, and in terms of like how does that manifest in creativity um, I think you use the word artistry yeah there's an art to it um, for sure I think there's a uh, I often will see a lot of misconceptions about what I do even my parents are not 100% sure what I do um, and the best way I describe it is um, I'm a creative problem solver and, and um, you know, I think that what we do and the way we do it can certainly be artful, but um, it's really important to note like the misconception that it's just art. Like, no, it's design, which implies intent and purpose and understanding and kind of acknowledging the outcomes you want to happen out of it. Um, user experience is so much more than just visual design. Visual design is there to really help guide someone through an experience and create hierarchy and promote kind of feelings that you might not otherwise experience. So for example, your use of color can 
dictate whether somebody feels energized or if they feel safe and calm and that's very much in intentional and um, it's not just the art though it's definitely there's definitely a science to it and I think that um, a good experience is definitely supported by my research. What would you say uh, are the biggest characteristics that help you be good at your job? Oh, sure. <laughs> um, I think that curiosity is incredibly important. Um, persistence, you know, I spent a year as a, pro a product manager and um, that was awesome for me just because it helped me have better empathy, not just for the customer, but also my, my internal partners and, and a better understanding of kind of how how you make decisions changes when you have a, a broader awareness. So I think being able to understand um, not just your customers, but also your, um, your team really well can really help. Um, being able to understand what motivates and drives people, um, being able to support people really well. Um, influence helps a lot too, um, but being able to do so with um, facts, um, but but not in you know a super like data robot. You know, I'm spitting out facts at you kind of way. You need to be able to tell a story in order to get buy-in. So I think that that can be um, an incredibly powerful tool. And then um, grit for sure. Uh, being able to kind of roll up your sleeves, dig in and get scrappy sometimes, you know, it's, you're often or often in situations where you never have all of what you need. And I think that's common for everyone, but for design, especially like you got to get scrappy. Um, a lot of times people don't make adequate time or um, budget adequate research uh, dollars for things like research or, um, you know, things like that. And so being able to get scrappy and problem solve quickly um, is really important. And I think being able to also step back and see the bigger picture um, to get a really good sense of the context can be super helpful too. Uh, something else that sometimes happens is, uh, especially in larger companies, like it can be very easy for silos to develop and you need to make sure that um, what you're, what you're, building or creating is is not only serving the purpose within kind of a certain context but can also also make sense in a, in a larger context as well what do you believe is the biggest misconception about about someone in your position you, you mentioned earlier that your parents don't really know what you do the biggest misconception um i mean it varies from region to region you know i i grew up in the midwest where as a UX professional, you definitely have to do a little bit of everything, and I think that can be actually really great. Um, I've seen out here, um, you know, you can be a generalist, but they like you to be deep in certain areas. Um, you know, in building out the teams that I built at REI, I definitely looked for people that had kind of that 
what I call a drippy tea uh, shape. They could could do a wide variety of things, but definitely had depth and skill in one or more areas. I really enjoy just meaty, complex, challenging problems. Um, and I actually really enjoy working with engineers. Um, some of my favorite partners have been architects, um, you know, especially in looking at things like authorization, authentication, uh, privacy, security, and just being able to build a system that can kind of flex and adapt to the changing needs of customers. Um, so I would say biggest misconception maybe is that like we don't care about the technical nature of things or that some people don't care about data. Um, I also think that um, there's a big misconception, not necessarily about user experience professionals, but um, I think a big thing that we need to remind, remind ourselves constantly is like we are not representative of our users and that's where um, research can be really helpful in challenging kind of our inherent biases and even the biases um, of our teams. I think those are really important, um, important factors. Okay, and last question is, can you teach us something in the next four minutes? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> teach you something in the next four minutes. Um, so actually, I one of the things I really like to do is run these design workshops, design thinking workshops, um, and I run them for kids. And I found that that can be, that's something that can be incredibly impactful, not just for the way kids problem solve, but also it helps bring their parents into the design process. Um, so it's a six-step process. Um, it usually starts, it's very much like the scientific method. Um, it starts with an observation. Uh, so for example, I see, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think of an example off the top of my head. Ah, four minutes. Uh, the, the example I usually use to walk um, through this, it uh, was inspired by um, Kenya Hara's book, uh, just designing, designing design, is that what it's called? Um, anyway, he, he ran an exhibition and a project around macaroni. And so we use that project to kind of walk kids through design thinking. And so it starts with an observation, okay, what is, what is a macaroni noodle? Like, what is the purpose? And we usually talk about like how you can, um, like the texture is important. Um, uh, it's, it's a piece of enriched like flour and it's made of these things. This is how it cooks. Um, but the shape of the noodle actually is really intentional to either carry sauce or highlight other flavors. Like macaroni in the context of mac and cheese is just like a great team player, right? Um, and so it's, it's something most kids can relate to too. Yeah, well, I that mean, so cool. but like that's that's kind of how that's kind of how you have to think about it. So you really be like, look at a noodle. Like, what is it? We really kind of focus on like, what are the properties? Like, how do you know that um, you have a good a good noodle or a good dish with the noodle? And we talk about that. And then we um, so we we observe. Um, we'll define. Um, usually, this uh, is a like defining. Depending, like what are what's success like what um, what are we trying to do and so for us it might be like for me a successful macaroni dish is one where there's lots of cheese and so um, 
my, you know, a successful outcome is like, maybe there's fewer noodles and more sauce and it can, you know, it acts as a vehicle for just getting more of that flavor into my mouth. Like, I don't know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here. Um, <clears throat> so. No, but I, I, I get the, uh, the, the structure of the thinking of the end goal um, and the macaroni noodle structure to meet that end goal um, or lack uh, of macaroni <clears throat> in a bowl. Um, so that's really cool. Yeah. That's something like literally my mouth just kind of opens slowly. <laughs> like a light bulb. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we like you observe kind of build empathy, like you define. And then after that, um, the next step is ideation. So brainstorming. Um, and so you come up with different ideas for how to solve a particular problem that you've defined. Um, and so for, for the Kenyahara project, um, he had a lot of different professionals from a lot of different um, areas of the world come up with kind of their own design for a noodle and their own recipes to complement those designs. And so then they would prototype, which is the next phase, just to test it out and see like, did this achieve uh, what we wanted it to achieve? Like, how can we kind of do, do better? Um, so they would test it and iterate. And like that's kind of the design thinking process in a nutshell. And um, that is very much core to what we do every day, <laughs> right? Well, um, yeah, so so I think if I could teach you something in four minutes, like design thinking, look it up. It's amazing. It's been around forever and it's very much applicable to um, things outside of design. It's just, it's a, it's a process for solving problems creatively. Um, and it's founded in understanding and, um, testing and brainstorming which is where that creativity comes in and i think yeah i don't know that was more than four minutes but that's okay no, <laughs> i it's think okay. that is eloquently done as i'd hoped but um huge proponent of that for sure and where can people find you if they want to get a hold of you or see some of your work you can find me on linkedin uh whitley kimball williams um reach out anytime i would love to chat uh, be a resource share information, collaborate. Um, and that's got all my portfolio links and things like that if people are curious too, uh, including how to get in touch with me if you want to run a design thinking workshop. All right, guys. Well, that does it for this episode of Connections Cafe. I want to thank our guest, the amazing, talented, and professional leader in UX design, Wick Kimball-Williams. As always, stay safe out there, guys. I will talk to you soon. Bye.